Welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast, where we talk to C-level leaders from across the payments landscape. We'll be discussing the products and services that impact the payment space today, as well as trends and predictions for the future of payments. We will also hear stories from our guests about their journeys to the top. This is episode 125 of the Leaders in Payments podcast. And as you know, this month is Financial Inclusion Month, and I'm your host, Greg Myers. A proud Chicago native with decades of experience driving diversity, equity, and inclusion in the payment space and a heartfelt desire to pour back into others some of the lessons his mentors have taught him, Will Lewis is a dynamic individual. He's a Drake University graduate, the Chief Diversity, Inclusion, and Belonging Officer at Experian, and he is grateful for the opportunity to speak to you today about one of his truest professional passions, financial inclusion. When it comes to the percentage of American population who are still underbanked or unbanked, it is truly a wonder that we haven't managed to cross this hurdle in today's digitally dominant landscape. And this is why people like Will are so valuable to our industry. With programs like Inclusion Forward, Experian Empowering Opportunities, and Experian Boost, Will and his team are driving opportunities for individuals that are currently challenged with the limitations that come from being credit invisible, as he puts it. Through advocating on behalf of the consumer, these programs aim to give the cash-only consumer financial opportunities with a more comprehensive view of what could be considered credit visibility. Will speaks about all things financial inclusion, including the goals of these programs, what Experian is doing to promote financial inclusion, and why it's so important in today's ever-changing ecosystem. We've got a great episode ahead, so let's get started. Hi, Will. Welcome to this special series of the Leaders in Payments podcast about financial inclusion. Thank you so much for being here. It's my pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So if you don't mind, tell our audience a little bit about yourself, maybe where you grew up, where you went to school, where you currently live, a few things like that. And we'll dive into your professional background in a minute, but maybe a few of those things if you don't mind. Yeah, I'm a proud Chicago native. I grew up in Chicago. It's a town that I live back in now from the south side really fantastic. I'll tell you, when I think about myself and my roots, it all started back in elementary school, Hinton Elementary School, with really just some great teachers and educators that invested in the students and cared about us. Frankly, I think that's part of the drive I have today is to want to pour back into others some of those lessons those teachers taught me way back in elementary school. Went on to graduate from Drake University in Iowa, and I'm back in Chicago now, living on the south side, not far from several miles from where I grew up. Awesome. Well, most of our audience probably knows who Experian is, but maybe for those that don't, if you don't mind giving us a high-level overview of the company. Yeah, of course. Experian really is a global information services company. Here in the United States, we're commonly known as the credit bureau. You know, We like to consider ourselves a credit bureau because ultimately serving customers through financial inclusion and credit education is at the heart of what we do. When I think about it, and really I think what drives us and what drives my colleagues here at Experian is we're ultimately in the business of creating fair access to credit and providing innovative tools and services to help companies also provide fair access to credit. It's at the core of who we are and what we do. Awesome. So if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about your role there and then your background prior to Experian. 
Yeah. I spent 14 years at Bank of America before coming to Experian and various HR roles. The last many years I spent in diversity, equity, and inclusion there at Bank of America, leading some of the large components of the DEI strategy, namely leading the diversity, equity, and inclusion work in Bank of America's consumer section of the bank, as well as in the Merrill Lynch side of the house also. And then went on to do some other work in diversity, equity, and inclusion during my time there as well, which I think has kind of positioned me really well for this work that we're doing here at Experian, which is so focused on equity for consumers. Okay. Well, let's dive in and start talking about how Experian is helping to support financial inclusion. So you recently launched a new program called Inclusion Forward, Experian Empowering Opportunities. Can you tell us about this program? You know, I got to tell you, I am just really proud of this program. When I think about it and I think about the work that Experian is doing, ultimately the goal of the program is to help clients create and provide more affordable access to credit using our data and analytics technology. And so when I say clients, I'm thinking about lending institutions, right? And it focuses on three areas, consumer education, small business, and fraud protection. Ultimately, working to try and create solutions to close the wealth gap and bring about racial equity so consumers can achieve their life goals. Because, you know, when we think about it, that's really what we're in this for, right? We want to do good in the world and we want to help consumers. We want to help your neighbor, help the everyday person be able to achieve their life goals. I think that's what we all want as humans. And that's what Inclusion Forward is really about. How do we help people? Okay. And why is financial inclusion such a core commitment for Experian? You know, it means fair access to credit for everyone, Greg. Millions have been left out of the credit system or face additional obstacles, really through no fault of their own. Financial inclusion enables people to fulfill their life goals. That's what we're in it about. Okay. And obviously having access to credit as you mentioned, isn't equal for all. And there are certain barriers for the underserved communities. What are some of those barriers that they face? Yeah, you know, the biggest barrier is what we call being credit invisible. Let me tell you what that really means in layperson's language. That's a person who doesn't have any type of credit history. Maybe they all, they trade totally in cash, right? So they pay for everything in cash. They know the local vendor, the person at the local store, they pay for it in cash or they put things on layaway in cash. They don't have a credit card. They don't have a loan that they've taken out. So they're credit invisible. They're shut out of the credit system ultimately. And what it boils down to is they don't have enough information to have a credit record. And it brings up all type of social justice issues. It's like, think about that new immigrant who just came to the United States who may have a fantastic credit record in their home country, but it really doesn't carry over here. What we're saying is let's use other types of data and let's give those consumers access to be able to contribute that data and give a full picture of their own financial situation. For example, their consistent payments for utilities the light bill, their cell phones, gas bill. What about video streaming services? And sure, like, well, you, you know, you can choose one of the many different video streaming services and show a record of how they are using credit responsibly. And all of that should be taken into consideration. But traditionally, that hasn't. This is where innovations like Experian Boost empowers consumers to help themselves. It gives them an opportunity to really tell the lender more about their entire profile all the different ways that they are using credit responsibly today. 
Okay. And you mentioned earlier about the data that you have on borrowers and how other organizations can leverage that data so that they can then create better products and solutions for the underserved communities. But what exactly is the data? What kind of data does Experian have? Yeah. Yeah, that's a really great question. So while the information used for credit history and scores is an effective means for assessing whether a consumer will repay a loan as agreed, we know that there's a large percentage of people who are excluded from the credit economy because they lack a credit history. Experian is a pioneer in using new sources of data. Think about rental records, right? People are paying their rent consistently every month. Utilities, telecom payment data are all types of data to augment and enhance the current credit data to ultimately help lenders assess a consumer's financial situation. I mentioned Boost a few minutes ago. I think Boost is a game changer for millions of Americans. It enables consumers to add positive payment history directly into their Experian credit file and instantly boost their credit score. And it doesn't stop there. Here at Experian, we're continually exploring new ways to use our data assets to help consumers with little to no credit history, gain access to financial resources and improve their financial health. So just curious, I mean, you talk a lot about having data that you can share with partners, but you also have the whole consumer side. So the Boost product is more of a consumer-focused product, right? Absolutely, it is. It is. You know, because there's really, the Boost product is a consumer product, but what it does is it adds more data to the consumer's file. So when a lender is looking at their Experian data, we have that data to share with the lender, right? So the lender can really get a full view of who the consumer is. Okay, makes sense. Let's talk about education and financial health. What is Experian doing to provide this kind of ongoing education? Yeah, I'll tell you, that is such a critical part of our strategy. We've been really working hard to partner with nonprofits and non-government organizations around the globe, really, certainly here in the United States, to reach underserved communities. Ultimately, there are several kind of key tactics. We've been providing credit education, programs, materials, webinars. We're using our tools and our data to help our partners reach more people. And then specifically supporting black and brown small businesses and entrepreneurs with our expertise. So, for example, did you know that most entrepreneurs are using their own finances as opposed to applying for business loans? We're helping them understand, particularly those black and brown entrepreneurs, we're helping them understand how to navigate through that process. How can you get a business loan so you don't have to put your own assets on the line as well? We're offering weekly credit chats where we address financial education and financial inclusion topics. And just recently, we launched Chat de Credito to reach the Spanish language consumers, as well as the Spanish language consumer credit education handbook. You see, our goal is to go to right where people are and give them the tools and information they need to make informed decisions. That's really one of the keys is giving folks information that'll help empower them to take control where they just didn't know before. What are some of the ways you get that information out? Yeah, there are a couple of ways. Really, I like to take a look at our partners. We have several partners, particularly in the not-for-profit world that we work with. Operation Hope, which is really focused on helping underserved communities with credit education and access to tools like Boost. We have a whole program that we've entitled United for Financial Health. And as a part of that, we're also partnering with Black Girl Ventures, which focuses on Black and Brown women entrepreneurs. NAACP, we've given home preservation grants, which provided mortgage relief to homeowners impacted by COVID-19. And even launched a series entitled Protect the Bag, 
it's a web series with Grammy Award winning artist Lecrae. You may have heard of Lecrae. That'll be launching later in November. And one that's happening right now this week is new partnerships with the National Urban League and Unidos U.S., We're sponsors of both of their national conventions. National Urban League is occurring this autumn, and we're really proud of that and also proud to be reaching their constituents and really plugging into them and giving them tools and information they didn't have before. Okay. And, you know, we really didn't sort of define these underserved communities, but you've mentioned a few possibilities. Are there broader underserved communities? I mean, obviously, there are more percentage of people in the black and brown community and the Hispanic community, you know, a few others, but are there certain underserved communities that you seem to target more than others? Yeah, well, I'll tell you, experience committed to all consumers. So we ultimately, we want to help all consumers understand their credit, understand the power of credit and how to use credit. But when we think about underserved communities, certainly black and brown communities, as well as rural Americans, and helping those folks get connected to credit in a way that happened before. And then there's this other tenant of people that typically just use cash for whatever their reasons are. Maybe it's because they're scared of credit, don't understand how it works. We think we have a responsibility to really help those individuals that are using cash because they're not aware of other ways or that even credit is an option for them, understand how that can become an option from all communities. Sure. And you mentioned small business ownership as being a tenant of of the program. What are you doing? Obviously, you mentioned sort of the lending aspect, but what else are you doing to promote and foster small business ownership? Oh, gosh. I'm glad you asked that. You know, we have an entire business unit that's focused on small businesses. When the pandemic hit, we actually went out of our way to really kind of reach out to this community, offered free resources like free small business credit reports. We created the Business Risk Index, which, as the name suggests, helps businesses assess risk. We produce surveys and webinars to provide information to help small businesses make informed decisions. And then I mentioned partnerships like Black Girl Ventures and the National Urban League, right? Some of this was born out of, as a result of the pandemic, we realized that there was this gap, right? And we wanted to do our part to try and close that gap or at least help people understand what their options were and, and how they can move forward. You know, what I'll say is, as we think about Experian and we think about the work we're doing at the heart of all the things that we do, at our core is financial inclusion. How do we help people achieve their best financial lives? And then how do we help lenders, those people that are making decisions, use data in a way that helps more individuals get access, fair and equal access to credit? Hey everyone, this is your host Greg Myers, and as many of you already know, October is Financial Inclusion Month, and we're going to be talking about all of the products, services, and ways that the payments and fintech industry help support the underbanked and unbanked. A special thanks to our title sponsors, The Clearinghouse and PaySafe Cash, as well as our principal sponsor, Instant Financial. Now, back to the show. And you mentioned some partners. Are there any others that you wanted to bring up? Yeah, there. in addition to the ones that I mentioned, there are several others that we're working with. There are a couple that come to mind, particularly the National Disability Institute, as well as Disability Inn, which are both organizations that are focused on how do we help individuals with disabilities lead a life that's equal to those that don't have disabilities as well. 
our products can certainly help those organizations just as well. And then there's Out and Equal, which is one of the largest LGBT plus organizations for LGBT plus advocacy as well. All individuals and part of the constituent that we want constituency that we want to ensure that we continue to support and embrace. And I got to tell you, I could probably go on, but then at some point I'll leave somebody out and someone will call me up and say, you listed tons of people and you didn't forget mine. So I'm scared that I'm going to forget somebody here. I think you've covered most, but yes, that's always a challenge, right, is to make sure that everyone is covered. But, you know, I was doing some research on this and I found something interesting I wanted to ask you about is a lot of this program that we've been talking about, obviously, is for the underserved and underbanked. And there's also a connection there, I think, between that and the diversity and inclusion or diversity, equity and inclusion programs that companies have. So I feel like there's a tie in there. Can you maybe make that connection for people? Yeah, you know, thank you for asking that question. There really is a tie-in to that. You see, a lot of companies, we've seen them, have gone out and made really significant social commitments around what they're going to do around diversity, equity, and inclusion. One of the things is we're thinking about inclusion forward is that it's an opportunity for us to support those organizations that have made those social commitments and for them to think about it in a different way. You know, Inclusion Forward really is a first-of-its-kind initiative to help our clients identify and directly support the underserved and vulnerable communities. It harnesses experience data, our analytics and technology, and then allows them to think about how to create affordable credit access. That goes for organizations like credit unions, banks of all sizes, right? Anyone that's in the business of giving loans can really t- take a look at how to use data more holistically. I mentioned Boost. Let me just draw a line through this to make it really plain. There's the consumer and the consumer can go out and self-report their data, right? Those utilities, mobile payments, streaming services, and then it can be tracked, right? Saying they've had a consistent payment history. Then that same consumer will go to a lender to try and get a loan to buy a car because they need that car to get to work. Well, if that lender uses this data that's been verified by Experian that we collected through our Boost product, they can get a fuller picture of who that consumer is. And so the key is for that lender to use Experian's data and really pull the ribbon through for that consumer and say, gosh, now that I have a better understanding for a consumer who may not have had a credit file or only had maybe one credit item on their file from years ago and they felt uncomfortable, now they have a better look because many folks are paying their streaming bills, right? Like Netflix and things of the sort. Many folks have a mobile payment than their cell phone payment. If they're seeing that they're consistently paying that, then that lender can feel a bit more comfortable about approving the loan for an automobile, for example. Now, this is the full life cycle. This is one of the points I really want to pull through is that lender using that information that we collected from the consumer around Boost and using our data in that way then gives the individual a lifeline through that vehicle because that vehicle may, for some people, allow them to have transportation back to work. That person can now get a job and can contribute even more into society, right? That's our goal. Let's give people a chance that may have been locked out to no fault of their own. And they're stuck in this vicious cycle by doing just this. We can give those individuals a chance to expand in ways that many have never imagined. And maybe some didn't realize it was even a barrier. We're here to shine a spotlight on it and help those individuals get access. 
Yeah, that's great. And just as a side note, as part of the Leaders in Payments podcast, we have a diversity, equity, and inclusion series that we did. We actually did two extra podcasts every month for six months. I think next year we'll probably do it just sort of like this financial inclusion month where we'll have a single month focused on it. So that might be a great opportunity to have you come back and talk about all the programs that you're doing internally about diversity, inclusion, and belongings. I think there's an opportunity for us to have another podcast in a few months. If you'd like to be on that, I'd love to have you on. But, you know, the other thing that I wanted to mention and kind of get your take on is part of what we're talking about this in Financial Inclusion Month, and you've covered a lot of it, is having this credit health and this education. There's also a component of just getting a bank account. And what that can do for these people that are underserved and obviously underbanked is just having a bank account. And it sounds like, you know, you guys are really working with these lenders and financial institutions and banks to help them feel more comfortable working with these people. And any thought on sort of the connection between that and having a bank account and really providing that as a core financial product for this community? Yeah, you know, honestly, you hit on something really key, right? When you think about individuals from the communities which we're referring, some deal in cash, some, when they get their paycheck, they go down to the local check casher to cash check and they pay a fee for that. Some, when they need to pay their bills, they have to get a money order from the local check casher and they pay a fee for that. But by having a bank account, you're actually putting money right back into your own pockets or they are putting money back into your own pockets because some of these things that require those fees that add up over time, you no longer have to pay a fee, right? You can get direct deposit. You can enroll for some of these different streaming services as well. And by the way, that can also become a part of your overall credit file as you begin to amass these mobile carriers, et cetera, because now you have a bank account that you can connect it to. You're building your financial profile. One thing that you mentioned a second ago as well was credit health. One of the features that probably some consumers don't know about is if you on your mobile device, on your cell phone, if you download the Experian app, you know, just go to the app store or the Play Store on Google and Android or on Android and iPhone, download the Experian app. There are some tools in there where you can, without additional cost, check your credit, right? And also check the health of your credit. And it'll give you access to ways to model out how you can make some changes to your behavior or to your accounts, which may directly and positively impact your credit as well. And it's as simple as just going and downloading the app from the Play Store or from the Apple App Store. Okay. So the app, and I assume the website has the same capabilities? Absolutely. That's a great question. Experian.com has the exact same capabilities. Okay. Okay. Well, Will, we've covered a lot of ground on this topic. Is there anything else you'd like to add or discuss? What I'll leave you with is this. A message for consumers is you have an opportunity to take control, to take power over your credit direction, and we're here to be your partner and help you with that. You can do that through the app. You can do that through Experian.com, but also to businesses. Think about consumers and their entire credit profile, including some of those things I mentioned earlier. We have data here at Experian that can really help you do that. And the reason I harp on that is because at the end of the day, we all want the same thing. We want inclusion and we want credit equity. There's a path, a really easy path right here to gain that credit equity. That's what my mission is. That's what my personal mission in life really is here, is to do work that leaves this world better than the world that I found and that I was born into. And I think if we all did our little part in doing that, my goodness, what an impact we can have. 
Yeah, and you know that leads me to one, maybe one final question. So, if we're sitting here having this conversation in two or three years, and you look back at this program, what's going to make you feel like it was a huge success? Yeah, to me, that it'll be a huge success is if we look back two to three years from now, and the majority, if not all, lenders are looking at individual's full credit profile, right? Their rental history in particular. There are so many folks that don't think they can own a home, don't think their credit will allow them to own a home, so they're renting. But guess what? So many people, so many Americans, their rent is not considered a part of their credit profile, but they've been living in that apartment for five years, 10 years, 15 years, paying their rent every month, like clockwork, on time. If we can include rent, as a part of credit profile, and we have a higher percentage of people that have included that, I'll feel really proud and really good, in addition to many of the other things that I mentioned today. Well, Will, this has been a great conversation. I think you guys are doing some amazing things and working with both the partner side and direct to the consumer side. I think this is an amazing program and you know, I look forward to keeping up with it. And I just wanted to thank you so much for taking time. I know you have a very busy schedule. So thank you so much for being on the show today and thank you for all the insights on this topic. I mean, this is a this is something obviously that I'm also passionate about. So I really appreciate you taking the time to join me today. I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks so much for having me. And I look forward to coming back for Diversity, Equity, Inclusion Month. Absolutely. And to all you listeners out there, I thank you for your time as well. And until the next story. Thank you for joining us this week on the Leaders in Payments podcast. Make sure you visit our website at leadersinpayments.com, where you can subscribe to the show and where you'll find our show notes. If you enjoyed listening, please share on your social channels as well. 